You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1121 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Saturday evening into Sunday. And thank you, as always, for making this podcast, the Locked on Hawks podcast, your first listen each and every day. Check us out on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today's podcast will break down what became a 115 to 105 win for the Hawks at home over the Charlotte Hornets, their fourth victory in a row, all of which have come by double digits, and they're now 7-1 at home this season, the best home record in the Eastern Conference. Lots of positives to talk about, including the offense. It's been very, very good recently. The Hawks led this game by double digits for most of the way. Um, it got a little bit dicey, I'll just say, late, late in this contest, but they held on late with some clutch three-point shooting in the final couple minutes, and uh, generally it was a, a not a balanced scoring. The Hawks had six guys. With 15 points or more in this game, no like you know absolute individual standout offensively, but they had a lot of guys do a lot of little things to contribute to a very nice, well-rounded win over a very competent Hornets team. So we'll dive in as we always do on the podcast, but uh, that's sort of the uh, top line thought, and we'll go now back to the beginning and talk about sort of the lead up to this game. So Charlotte was on a back-to-back in this contest. They played Friday night um, and actually almost blew a very large lead before holding on to win. Um, on the Hawks side, the only thing that really changed in the last couple of days after, I, I will say, a two-day break in between games with no travel, which is obviously a nice little perk for the Hawks, they brought Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper, and Skylar Mays back from, from College Park for this game. They did not play, but they were in uniform in this contest, and only Hunter and Okongwu were out for Atlanta in this game. I, I thought it was encouraging that both Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich were not on the injury report at all. Bogey had been on the injury report for about three-plus weeks with an ankle issue that he had been questionable several times with, and Herter had the hamstring tightness. So no, those guys were not listed at all. That's obviously a positive, and we'll uh, look at that again later on. Uh, the Hornets were without P.J. Washington in this game, but they were healthy otherwise. So a, a battle between teams that were largely uh, at full strength, obviously at least one or two high-profile high absences, but nothing catastrophic. I will say for context's sake, I got a lot of questions about this, so I'm going to explain it a little bit here. Our friends at Ben Online made the Hawks six-point favorites in the morning um, in this game, and several people asked why that number was so big. I guess just kind of looking at the record, Charlotte had a better record, uh, and they actually were on a winning streak of their own coming into the night. But I tried to answer on Twitter, I'll, I'll say it again, as, as to why the Hawks were such uh, significant favorites in this game. For one, they had a home court advantage, which obviously is a nice um, swing. It could be like you know a point and a half, two points toward Atlanta um, in, that, in that instance. Also, the rest advantage is huge in the NBA, particularly over a long season. The Hawks having two full days off with no travel. It's about as friendly as it gets in terms of rest. And the Hornets having to travel on a back-to-back is obviously another point and a half, probably maybe two points in favor of the Hawks in that spot. And then I'll say this. More, I guess this is a little bit uh, slightly more controversial, not really to me in my mind, because I think the Hawks are the better team. But the market, if you look at all of the uh, indicators and kind of these you know spreads per game, the Hawks are still seen, it seems, as the, in terms of power rating as being better than the Hornets. Um, that obviously came to fruition in this game. But I said all that when it was when it was six, and actually by the time the game started, the Hawks were seven and a half point favorites. So they actually had gone up in the market, ended up covering the spread, and it looked, I guess it looked smart. So occasionally Vegas knows the, what's, what's going on, and that happened in this game. At any rate, that sort of sets the stage for the Hawks being, uh, you know, favored to win this game. You're quote-unquote supposed to win, but they had to play well to do it. 
Um, a lot of the damage actually came early on in this game, including a 16-6 push by the Hawks to open the contest to go up by 10 points in pretty short order. There was some Trey Young assists. He had, three, he had three assists in a row, basically, to start the game. Click Capella was very good out of the gate, was very good in this game overall. It was a pretty short roll lob from John Collins to Click Capella for a dunk. And the Hawks scored 14 of those 16 points in the paint. They opened defensively with Bogdanovich on Gordon Hayward. They had Collins on Miles Bridges. Trey Young and Terry Rozier and Kevin Herter on LaMelo Ball, which is kind of their primary look in this game. They went to Gallinari pretty early off the bench. I thought it was probably to pair him with against uh, Miles Plumley, uh, sorry, Miles Plumley, Mason Plumley, uh, former Hawk, Hawk legend Miles Plumley. Um, but you know, it's kind of an interesting deployment, which we'll get into later on about Gallo and being able to pair him with different lineups because on paper there wasn't really anybody for him to guard. Um, Charlotte plays very small and very athletic, which is not the greatest matchup in the world for Gallinari's defense. But that was no, notable to me. And then it was Cam Reddish as, as the second sub off the bench. Um, the Hornets did answer, though, that big run by the Hawks to start with with, with a 10-2 push of their own. They really made a killing on the offensive glass in this game. That was kind of the only thing that I would circle as a broad weakness in this game was that the Hawks got just bludgeoned on the offensive glass by the Hornets, which is not exactly their strength always. Um, kind of a weird hiccup in this game. The Hawks just could not rebound the ball. McMillan said that after the game as well. And it was you know, The numbers were not lying in that spot. Um, the Hawks... Uh, kind of went cold a little bit offensively during that run as well. Two points in about three minutes. The Hawks went to the bench, um, as they usually do. It's kind of a normal rotation in a lot of ways for at least what, the, what they've been doing recently with Gallinari and Reddish as the first guys off the bench, and then Lou Williams and DeLon Wright playing together almost always, and they had, that happened again in this game. They went to Gorgie Jang briefly because Capella got foul trouble. Um, both halves, actually, they went to Gorgie as sort of that mop-up guy when they had some foul issues. And the Hawks actually scored about six points in like six minutes, uh, late in the first quarter after the red-hot start until a big three by Gallinari in the final minute. The Hawks led by four points into the first quarter. They were 8 of 13 on twos, but only 1 of 9 on threes, so it wasn't like they lit the world on fire offensively. They only had one turnover. That definitely helped things, and Charlotte was pretty cold despite their uh, you know huge offensive rebound. They actually shot 32% in the first quarter of this contest. The second quarter was more of a back and forth again. You know, this is a game that was full of runs in a lot of ways. But the Hawks opened up with a full second unit on the floor with Jang. That uh, didn't last very long. They actually brought Capella in after an early timeout. And then after that timeout, the Capella plus bench group had the Hawks' best stretch of the entire game. A 13-0 run to go up, to go from up 1 to up 14 in pretty short order. They ran a great ATO play to get Gallinari to open 3. Then Cam Reddish had a nice stretch with 8 points. Um, hit two threes and it actually had a very nice uh, sort of pull-up jumper where she squared his body in midair. And it was a very good-looking shot in a lot of ways. It became a 16-0 run overall once the starters came back in. Trayon got fouled and made, made three free throws. But again, a 13-0 push with the bench largely responsible was huge for the Hawks in the first half. And the Hornets didn't score for about four full minutes. And by the time they did, they were down by 17 points. And honestly, from that point on, the Hawks were not really challenged until the final two minutes. The Hawks love a, love a double digits basically for two plus quarters straight. Um, I will say it was kind of a track meet for a while at the end of the first quarter. Uh, sorry, at the end of the first half with both teams scoring a lot of points. The Hawks just kind of had, had, had the lead and kept scoring. There was one push by Charlotte to go down by, I believe it was 8 or 9 late in the first half on a 14-5 to five run when the Hawks finally stopped scoring on every, on every possession. But in general... It was a positive first half. The Hawks led by 12 points at halftime with a 130 offensive rating before the half. Obviously, that's excellent. They shot 55% from the floor with 41% from three and 30 free throw attempts. That's obviously very, very good shooting. Only four turnovers as well. So the offense kind of peaked in that second quarter in a lot of the ways. They scored 35 points in that period to kind of put the uh, screws to the Hornets. Um, six players already had six points um, at, at the halftime break. 
They got killed on the glass again on both ends of the floor. Charlotte took 16 more shots than the Hawks did in the first half, which actually usually makes you uh, have some deep trouble. But the Hawks shot the ball so much better than the Hornets did, it didn't really matter. And they got to the line a lot as well, which is obviously a credit to the Hawks being aggressive. And defensively, they held the Hornets to about a 102 offensive rating after uh, you know sort of a weird start to this game. Um, that will obviously do it for the most part. You'll, you'll take that, especially against a good offense in Charlotte. And that, you know, they sort of uh, changed a little bit later on. Um, with the Hornets getting a little bit hotter in the second half. But in general, it was a very complete half. And if you look at the box score, the second half was almost dead even. So really the gains that the Hawks made happened in that second quarter. And a lot of that was the bench. So look at the plus minuses in this game, and we'll get into this more later. Um, everyone except for Gorgie Jang off the bench was in the, was in the positive in this game. And the starters were more close to flat with the exception of Capella. So um, kudos to the bench for that little push. And that kind of helped the Hawks get on, on the right path in this contest. All right, before we get to the second half and many takeaways from this particular game, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Prize Picks. Attention, NBA fanatics, I have to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and offers all the superstar players as well as all the bench players, that only, even if they only record a handful of minutes each and every game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of. In football, it's yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. In basketball, it's points, it's assists, it's rebounds, and much, much more. And every user that deposits and uses the promo code that we have here will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And that promo code is NBA. One more time, that promo code is NBA. You pick two to five players and an overrunner on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries. You can take the over on LeBron, combine with the under on Mahomes in the same entry, and that goes for Trey Young as well. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entry can be made 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Yes, you can do all of this in under 60 seconds. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out PricePicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store right now and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before so you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So again, as I said before the break, the first half was where the Hawks kind of pulled away. And the second half was really an exercise in kind of keeping the margin where it was. Um, a lot of offense early in the third quarter. In fact, Clint Capella was awesome in this game really overall, but he opened the third quarter 4-4 from the floor in about five minutes. At that point, he was 9 of 9, had a double-double already in the third quarter. Um, it was more of the same, though, as late in the, in the second quarter, uh, which is kind of not getting a lot of stops in that stretch. The Hawks scored a lot. They did push the lead up to 14 before a timeout mid-quarter. Um, there was an awesome outlet pass by Kevin Herter to Bogdanovich for, for, a, for a layup. That pass was like 50 feet, 50 feet in the air. It was definitely a, a pretty one sort of uh, cross court and all that stuff. They put the rim, they put the pressure on the rim, I will say. Trey Young, Capella, Collins getting pressure on the rim offensively in that stretch. And the Hawks were really balanced. Again, they had six players in the game, 15 plus points, but all of them were double, fidget, double digits, I should say. 
um, early, like 14, 15 minutes left in the game, they were already there. Uh, rotationally, it was kind of more of the same. It was Gallo and Cam first, then Lou and DeLon after that, and then Gorgie again with uh, when both Collins and Capella had four fouls late in the third quarter. Um, I do this rant often, and I would not do it a lot here, but I thought the Hawks were probably too conservative with their uh, minutes in this game, particularly with Capella, but even with Collins as well. Just kind of uh, worrying too much about fouls. Uh, Capella only played 24 minutes in this game, which is not enough. He was dominating, um, for instance, but alas. And really, it was a lot of, you know, the margin was basically between six, between 10 and 16 for the entire third quarter. It was like, you know, not, not that it was boring. It was pretty entertaining basketball, kind of up and down, up and down but no big runs to speak of. It was kind of that back and forth, and given where the Hawks were, they would take that. In fact, they still had a 125-ish offensive rating through three quarters. They definitely scored and were able to do their best. They actually had lost the third quarter by two points. No, sorry, third quarter was actually dead even. The fourth quarter was, was lost by two points. But um, if you kind of draw that up in a lab and say, all right, Hawks, you're up by 12 at halftime, will you take a dead even third quarter? The answer is always yes, and the Hawks were able to do that to kind of keep the lead where, where it was. Um, in the fourth, they went to the full bench unit again with Jang and uh, kind of used that for a couple minutes. There was actually a couple of great digs by DeLon Wright defensively and a nice deflection that led to a steal. Uh, good stuff from him sort of flashing off the bench. Lou was uh, kind of quiet for the most part, but those two keep playing well together, I will say. And they kept that lead to 12 before an early timeout by Charlotte, and that's where the starters came back in. So the bench kind of held the line again in that stretch, which was uh, very, very useful. There was one uh, sort of mini run by Charlotte that kind of flashed their, uh, I guess, before their last run. They scored six points in a row to get back within seven with about five and a half minutes to go. That was as close as it had been since the first half, and the Hawks kind of slowly stopped scoring, to be honest. They scored six points in about five and a half minutes at the start of the fourth quarter. Um, they did They did get a couple of stops in a row, a couple of buckets in a row, and honestly, it felt like it was going to be over again um, after this. So there was a big dunk by Miles Bridges, his second of the night, by the way. He is a high flyer in a lot of ways, playing great this year for Charlotte. But um, Trey Young hits a huge step-back three late in the shot clock to go up by 12 with 2.37 to go. And on my notes, I kind of circled that one as like potentially the dagger. It felt like it was going to be over at that point, to be honest. It wasn't absolutely over, but given the way that the game had flowed at that point in time, Charlotte had kind of made their run, the Hawks quelled it, that was a huge shot, under three minutes to go, up double, up double digits, you're definitely in a pretty good position. Now, I will say, the worst stretch of the game for the Hawks was right after that three. So, there was a timeout by Charlotte, um, and then the Hornets scored, Trey turned it over, the Hornets scored again, Cam turned it over, the Hornets scored again, then Trey took a, took a pretty ill-advised deep three, uh, it was not a good shot, let's just say. Uh, he missed that, and then the Hornets scored again. So in short order, about a minute and 10 seconds, minute 20 seconds, something like that, um, the Hornets cut the lead from 12 down to 4 with the Hawks going empty on three straight trips. So they call timeout from there, but that was kind of the one thing that the Hawks couldn't have at that time was a complete collapse, and it almost happened, to be honest with you. But after that timeout, the Hawks sort of cleaned things up a little bit. Um, a good possession out of the break with Kevin Herter hitting a three at the top of the key. That was probably the single biggest shot of the night for the Hawks, I will say. If you, if you had to pick one shot, that was probably the one I would choose because it was kind of getting dicey there. It was a good look. It was a good offensive possession overall. It wasn't just like he self-created it, but he made it at the top of the key. They found Miles Bridges, and they split. he only makes one of the two. And then after that possession, they had another good possession with Ken Reddish hitting a left, a left corner three up by nine. Um, and then Collins got a block on Martin on the next possession. It was kind of over from there. But I will say both of those threes by Herter and Reddish were huge shots by those guys. Also, just like great possessions. Both of them like with some quality passing, extra passes, penetration, 
etc. And they both made the shots. Obviously, they weren't like you know tough, tough, tough shots, but still ones like you know I know um, Cam actually played a ton of minutes at the end of this game, and the fact that he made that. Um, with with probably no legs at the end of that contest was pretty huge, and a couple of big shots there, obviously, to sort of seal the game and get out of there with a win. Um, interestingly, on the rotation side, before we get into some broad takeaways, the Hawks had some interesting stuff. Um, Gallinari played about 14 and a half straight minutes in the second half. Um, normally, he's not going to do that because you know, number one, he's on the older side. Number two, he's, he's come off the bench, and matchup wise, he's kind of interesting stuff. I will say Capella was at the at the scores table for about the last two and a half minutes of that. There was just no stoppage. But still, he played a long, long time. McMillan was actually asked about that by Kevin Chenard after the game. And McMillan said that some of that was that they wanted to take advantage of Gallo against Charlotte's small ball switching defenses. Because Gallo, I think McMillan called him either their best, their best post player or something like that. I think it's definitely him and Collins are the two best guys against switches. And, um, you know, that was effective at times in this game. Still um, interesting that they kind of went with him for that long. And the other one is that they actually did not play Bogdanovich for the final 16 minutes in this game. Cam Reddish played almost that entire time. So basically they chose to play Cam and ride him over Bogdanovich, and they chose to go with Gallo over another option, whether it be Bogey or whoever else. So interesting stuff there. I don't really mind either one of them all that much. I thought Capella probably should have played a little bit more overall. But going with Reddish over, over Bogey was not a problem in this game. Um, I would have probably gone with another ball handler late in this contest as they were kind of you know, sort of gagging the ball away. Maybe go with Lou Williams or even, you know, Bogey just for the shooting aspect. But uh, I do think that that was probably, uh, you know, it worked out obviously well. Cam made some nice plays in that stretch. So just kind of notable that they kind of went away from their traditional rotation and leaned heavily on both Reddish and Gallinari down the stretch. Um, Overall, though, obviously an offense first win for the Hawks. That's been the theme actually recently is that their offense has been great. Um, About a 120 offensive rating, even with a shaky-ish fourth quarter. Um, it's better before that, obviously. They shot 52% from the floor in this game. Got to the line 21 times, made 17 of them. That's pretty solid. Um, 35% on threes on 34 attempts is totally fine as well. Only 22 shots at the rim, but some of that's because they got fouled a lot. Um, 24 assists, 12 turnovers is not spectacular, but pretty solid. They did. A, they were definitely worse after halftime with 8 turnovers after the break and 5-17 from three. So I love that a little bit, but still a pretty complete offensive showing. And again, six players with 15 points or more is uh, the epitome of balance on offense. And then defensively, they held the Hornets to about a 108 offensive rating in this game, which is not like elite defense by any means. It's more like maybe solidish defense, but Charlotte is good on offense, like legitimately good, particularly when they play small. They're probably a top 10 offense when you put it all together. So no shame in giving up some points to them for sure. And for the most part in this game, the Hawks did a decent job defensively. Um, Charlotte was 10 of 40 on threes. That will obviously help in the uh, long run. Um, they're probably they're probably going to make more than that um, more often than not, but still, um, you know, took advantage of that at, at any rate. The one thing that I guess I mentioned once before, I'll say it one more time, is the Hornets had 21 offensive rebounds in this game. Now they took a ton of shots, but still, the offensive rebound rate was sky high for Charlotte, and they actually attempted 20 more field goal attempts than the Hawks. Um, that is usually a recipe for disaster. Um, but the Hawks were able to be good enough in other areas to sort of override that. I will say, again, broadly, the Hawks were pretty dominant in the Capella minutes in this game. I thought he was awesome. We'll come back to that in a second, but they probably should have played him even more. And really, the only time that it was even competitive was when Capella was off the court. When he was on the court, the Hawks were the better team very, very clearly, and then Collins was kind of the uh, second fiddle to that. He was also very good when he played. Um, At any rate, though, the Hawks were just really good on offense, and uh, before we get into some individual stuff, I'll just say this at the end of this about, about the offense. 
after this game, as I just checked before I started recording, the Hawks are now number five in the NBA in offensive rating. Now that's NBA.com. There's garbage time and stuff in there, but they're now up to fifth in the league in offense. And that's because the last six games, they've basically been incredible. So for the season, they have a a 110.6 offensive rating, which, uh, I will note that scoring is down this year, so that number would not have been in the top five last year by any means. But the last six games, they're 4-2 and two in that stretch, a 115.6 offensive rating, which is number one in the league over that period. So if you want to know why the Hawks have been winning more, it's it's mostly the offense. There's some defensive stuff in there too, but they've been awesome on offense in the last couple of games. All right, before we get to the player stuff from this contest, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Bilt Bar. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. And with that said, it's the perfect time for Built Bar. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. This is something that's totally delicious. You feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories. That might even be on the low end. But most Built Bars have only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar. Go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie, and they're low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, high-protein, and covered in 100% chocolate. Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some at your family gatherings. It'll make even things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. We'll have new surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check out the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. And for now, you can go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15, 15% off in your next order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCK15, 50% off at Built.com. Okay, and we'll close it out with some player observations from this contest. The bench um, was effective overall, as I said before. Um, Individually, a lot of that was Gallinari and Reddish, but we'll go through all these guys. TLC got the Mario West once again, one stint, one defensive possession, and he did his job, but a small sample size. Gorgie Jam played seven minutes off the bench when they were trying to avoid foul trouble for Collins and Capella. Um, Didn't do much in the the box score, what what was fine in his time, played defense, etc., uh, Lou was relatively quiet, but had four points, two assists, and a steal. Was plus ten in his, in his twelve minutes of playing time. Missed both of his threes, but was two of three on twos. Delamore only took one shot, but Delamore I thought was pretty solid again. Did not score, but two steals, an assist, two rebounds. He was very active as a defender, off the ball, on the ball, doing what he's been asked to do. And that pairing between Lou and Delon has worked quite well to kind of bridge the cap with the Hawks uh, shorthanded on the wing without Hunter. Um, I thought Gallo was pretty solid in this game. 16 points, 6 rebounds, 3 steals, by the way, for Gallo. Pretty active pretty active there. And a block um, in 32 minutes. I think that was, I believe, a season high on minutes for Gallo. Uh, plus 8. Got to the line 8 times, made all 8. That's one of his weapons, is getting the free throw line a ton. And he was very efficient in this game. But defensively, it's not always pretty with Gallo right now at his, uh, at his level and his state of affairs defensively. But when you're taking advantage of him on offense and having him score efficiently, having him take advantage of mismatches, etc. He uh, played well, and again, kudos to him for playing so many minutes in a row at the end. I'm sure he was gassed, and I think they probably rode him a little bit too long in the fourth quarter, especially because his, his legs go, and then defensively it's even worse. But I thought he played uh, very well on the whole. Uh, and then Cam Reddish was actually good again. Uh, Cam, I thought, again, I, I think I said on the show on Wednesday, I thought it was the best game of the season on Wednesday. Um, I think he was good in this game as well. Not, probably not quite as good in, in the overall sense, in my opinion, but still 17 points, 6 rebounds. Um, did have 2 turnovers and no assists, but I thought Cam rebounded the ball well, probably better than he has usually this season. He shot it well in the second half in particular, 7-13 uh, from the floor, 3-6 on threes. He only took, I think, one bad shot, maybe two bad shots in this game, and the rest of those were very under control. 
Um, you know, finishing issues still kind of pop up from every, every once in a while, but I thought Cam was uh, much better in this game um, again. So he's been playing well the last couple of games. You'd love to see that off the bench. And I think, you know, riding him late had to do with his defense. He was covering a lot of ground defensively as well. Didn't make his like traditional, you know, steals and blocks, but definitely got in the way a lot and uh, made plays. And I thought played a very nice complete game off the bench for Atlanta. Um, to the starters, Bogdanovich was the quiet one in this game. Again, he, didn't, he sat the final 16 minutes. That's a lot of time for him to be sitting. But I don't have a huge problem with it. He wasn't playing all that well. Seven points, two assists, and a rebound. Uh, three to die from the floor, one of five from three. And defensively, it's just been a bit of a struggle for Bogey this year. I've said it before on the podcast, but his point of attack stuff has not been um, great. He's never been this great defender anyway. He's more of a physicality guy. Not quick off of his feet, but I think it's even gotten a little bit slower. Almost a you know, half step worse this year defensively at the point of attack. I'm sure that's probably why he didn't play a whole lot late, but uh, we'll see what he has uh, moving forward. Um, the other four guys that started lineup all played well uh, to varying degrees. Uh, Trey Young actually was not like his dominant self in this game. 19 points on, I believe, it was yeah, 19 points on 19 shooting possessions, so not terribly efficient. 5.15 from the floor, two of seven from three. That's the line though, seven times made all seven, had nine assists. Four turnovers, like, you know, even even a so-so Trey game is still very, very good. He, he, he There's so much attention paid to him, and his passing, as always, played up. So um, he'll have better nights, but certainly uh, competitive defensively at times. I thought he actually made a couple nice plays and, like, switches against Gordon Hayward, where he was competitive and did his job against LaMelo for the most part. I thought Trey was just fine. He didn't shoot it well, but uh, that's okay. Uh, Kevin Herter was good in this game. Uh, like I said before, I think it was probably the biggest shot of the game was that three late in the game. Uh, 17 points, four assists, two rebounds, was efficient. Six of ten from the floor, four of seven on threes. Got to the line, only made one of two, but uh, there you go. Uh, one turnover for Herter. I thought he was uh, very solid across the board. He was he was asked to, he was asked to guard Lamelo Ball in the first half and really for most of this game, and did a decent job. You know Lamelo didn't shoot well. It was five eighteen five eighteen I should say. Herter isn't like responsible for that. But I think he, he did a pretty good job against Ball overall in this contest. Um, John Collins was very good as he has been all year. Fifteen points, eight rebounds, three assists, three blocks in thirty three minutes. Seven seven from the floor it was zero two on three, so seven and eight from twos. Um, just a, another solid across the board game for John, where he's very efficient and very effective. I'm like a re, I'm like a broken record on that, but he's been awesome this entire season. And then Clint Capella, um, 20 points, 15 rebounds, two blocks in 24 minutes. He made his first nine shots. Um, but it's just dominant, honestly. You know, this is a good matchup for him in a lot of ways, and that. Charlotte does not have a guy who can match up with him. You know, Mason Plumlee is not the greatest, and I have no, they have no backup center right now without P.J. Washington, who's not even really center size anyway. He's more of a combo big in a lot of ways. But Capello was using that to his advantage, kind of eating on the glass. Um, this is his second 2010 game of the season, and uh, he had it with like seven minutes to go. He was just dominant in this game. Uh, the only thing was was his foul trouble keeping him off the floor, but other than that, it was a complete game. And I tweeted this during the game, and there's been signs of this. I've kind of referred to it in the last couple of weeks, but... I think we've kind of officially seen the last year version of Capella that was the Hawks' second most effective and most uh, important player last year. They kind of have to have him on the floor. You know, obviously they have kind of a big three right now in terms of their overall play, and it's Trey, it's Collins, and it's Capella. They're very different players, but the three of those guys are the core at this moment in time. The wings are um, all important to varying degrees. You have to have them. But if you ask me who the three best players are, who the most three important players are, it's those three guys. It's pretty clear in my mind, and Capella was awesome in this game, and uh, those three guys are just huge. So there you go. Um, we'll leave it there for now, but the Hawks, again, you know, taking care of business at home. They've been favored in all these games, but winning four in a row and doing it doing so decisively, again, by double digits in all four games, is pretty encouraging. 
from here, they play the easiest game on their schedule so far this season, perhaps. Um, maybe maybe not the uh, the Pistons game earlier on in the season. So if you, look, if you look at the schedule so far, they've had a bunch of tough games, obviously, um, that whole West Coast trip um, being the most prime example of that. But they haven't had a whole lot of gimmies. There's been one game at home in which they were favored by a large, large margin, and that was that Detroit game in October. Uh, Monday will be similar to that with Oklahoma City coming to town. Oklahoma City has actually been better than expected this year at 6-10. and 10. They have been uh, much more competitive than I thought they'd be so far, so kudos to them for that, but they're not very good. So the Hawks will be favored by a lot in that game. Um, will they win? We'll see. But uh, nothing, is, nothing is assured in the NBA. But the Hawks, if they play the way they've been playing recently, they should be able to win that game. And if they, if they can do that, and it's a big if, they will be 9-9 nine and nine after that 4-9 and nine start. So uh, a lot, of, lot more positive vibes now. Being seven and one definitely helps. Uh, I, I believe it was the uh, this is their best home start at seven and one since 2011 12. It's a long time. Obviously, you're cherry picking a little bit because they're also one and eight on the road <laughs> this season, but they are uh, playing well in their home building, taking care of business, and that's all you can ask them to do right now. So, Oklahoma City on Monday, and then they'll have uh, Tuesday, a travel day to San Antonio for Wednesday, and then after Thanksgiving, they will play Memphis on Friday. They'll actually be in Memphis during Thanksgiving as a team so because they have that road trip in between games. So, a, a busy week coming, but the Hawks will be finally leaving their home after Monday's game, but until then, Monday's game is one to circle. Home, OKC, and uh, definitely a spot which you could say, I use this phrase all the time, but it's a taking care of business spot for the Hawks. If you show up and play the way you're supposed to play, you should win. If you take it lightly, maybe you won't. But we'll get into that game much, much more as Monday approaches. Uh, hopefully that's a, a coherent uh, evaluation of tonight's game, but a nice solid win for the Hawks. Good offense, decent enough defense, and that formula has been enough to win games for the Hawks. Um, that's going to do it for today. Please subscribe to the podcast on whatever po- platform that you choose, whether it be Spotify or Apple Podcasts, etc. Also, check out the show on uh, you know various platforms. I always link the direct link of, uh, uh, to Megaphone on our uh, on, on Twitter if you follow the show at Locked on Hawks. Uh, Megaphone hosts, hosts the podcast. If you ever want to just listen to the show directly there, you can do that. But I definitely encourage you to subscribe via your platform of choice. That definitely helps us as long, along with five-star ratings and reviews and telling your friends. For sure, you can follow me on Twitter at BT Roll if you'd like to do so. And uh, that'll be it for the for this weekend. But we'll, we'll be back again, barring a disaster or an emergency of some sort. Our next podcast will be after the game on Monday night. So we'll see you next time.